Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. This is week four of our series called Life Hacks, because there is a way to hack life. There are all kinds of interesting ways. You can start a fire with Doritos. You can have two bowls inside the microwave. You can hammer a nail and not hurt yourself. There are all kinds of ways to life hack, but... I mean, we're not talking about how to get a nail. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, you, you want to get the nail in, but you want to get life done right. You know what I'm saying? You want to get to the end of your life and look back on it and said, no, I was able to do life well. Look at what God was able to do. I was able to experience God's best and God's abundant life. And the only way you're going to do that is you've you got to hack life. And the ultimate life hack is wisdom. There's actually two books of the Bible that are dedicated to this idea. The book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes are just dedicated to the ideas of wisdom. And the Bible actually says in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is our wisdom. And so God wants you to have this relationship with him. And in so doing, glean from divine wisdom. The thing that will help you hack life the most. Now, this is how we defined wisdom. Wisdom is understanding when to apply the right knowledge to the right situation. So if you ever thought, well, what is wisdom? Because again, sometimes we get through with a disaster in life and we're like, yeah, I didn't do that very well. I don't think I was very smart about this and whatever. And so wisdom is knowing, well, when do I apply the right knowledge to the right situation? Because you know that this is true. Sometimes you have the right knowledge in the wrong situation and that, that doesn't work. Sometimes you have the right knowledge. Men, this is our lives. You have the right knowledge, but you have poor timing. Look, there is a right time and a wrong time to bring that up. Men, husbands, can I get an amen? Timing. Timing is key. You've got to know the seasons of life. And so, or here's another way of saying is that wisdom is seeing and responding to life from God's perspective. So when we glean from God's divine wisdom, we're able to kind of hack life and experience God's best. And that's what God wants for you. God wants you to know his will, to walk in his ways, and to experience his best life. That comes from wisdom. So that's kind of the journey that we've been on. And we talked about last week, really, that the, the Bible says it this way, that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That, that is actually the starting point of all wisdom, because if you ever think about it, what it, what it does is, is it forces you to kind of sit back and think before you do anything, right? Think before you speak, think before you do anything. And the fear of God says, whoa, 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 before I say that, would that honor or dishonor God? Before I do that, would that honor or dishonor God? Because I have so much respect and reverence for God. I just don't just go willy nilly off into my own little world, doing my own thing, saying whatever comes to my mind. Because what comes to my mind is sometimes very inappropriate. Me and my buddy Steve um, work out together and we are people watchers. And the gym is a fantastic place to watch people. Can I get an amen? Like there's just some of the weirdest, goofiest, dumbest things. And so, we, we're, we're, and so what we've learned though is, is as we watch weird and goofy and dumb people, we, what we learned was is that we're both judging them. But we never said anything, right? Because we're just not, we don't want to be mean people. And then what we realize is, is we would both notice the same things and smirk or giggle or laugh. And then finally we were just like, let's just be open about it. What the heck is that guy doing? But what my, my point is, is we don't say that stuff. We just think it, right? Because maturity is thinking before you speak, right? For, for these people in the gym, maturity would be thinking before they do that dumb thing. So you want, you want some maturity. And, and that's all the fear of the Lord is, is it puts a, it puts a, a decision-making process, right? 
Isn't that kind of what, what wisdom is? It's putting some type of process in between opportunity and decision. You ever think about that? Wisdom is putting a process between opportunity and decision. You think before you do something. You think before you speak. And by doing so, you, you get to live in wisdom. Now, that's just the beginning of the, of, the, of the wisdom thing. This is really step two. Because what I'm going to teach you today is kind of the life hack that unlocks all the other life hacks. Have you ever, have you ever felt yourself like bumping into a ceiling in life? Like you, you, you're like, you're trying and then you keep hitting a roadblock. You keep hitting a ceiling. You keep whatever it is. And because I know your desire and I know your heart, your, your desire is to be a better blank, right? Like you want to be a better husband. You want to be a better wife. You want to be a better uh, son or employee or boss or just a better Christ follower. You want to be a, a better blank, but eventually you run into a wall. Like, well, why do we keep fighting? Or why do I keep missing this at work? Or my, why does this keep happening in my life? And what I'm going to show you today is that ultimately the difference between success and failure in life is not aptitude. It's actually attitude. It's not like I'm not smart enough. It's because there's an attitude that you have to adopt. And it's really this. It's the attitude or the spirit that is teachable. Because having a teachable spirit, think about this. It is the hack that unlocks all the future life hacks. Because if I'm not teachable, if I'm stubborn and prideful and resistant and won't learn and won't grow and won't expand and won't listen to counsel and won't take advice, if that's me, I'm going to be stuck up against that ceiling for the rest of my life. Now, how many of you like being stuck? Nobody. Nobody likes being stuck. Well, how do you get unstuck? You develop a teachable spirit, a teachable attitude. Now, I don't know about you. How many real quick? Let's just not talk about us now. Let's go back in time to when we were in school. How many of y'all were good students? Good, y'all are reluctant to raise your hand. You're good students? Okay, how many not good students? You're not a good Okay, good. Y'all are with me. So we're in the not good student realm. So when, when you're not a good student, you can really pick up on like these things that made you really unteachable, right? Because what, what made you unteachable? You didn't pay attention. You didn't listen. You didn't put in the work. Like I would mess. I, see, I was like the kid that always got in trouble. I was the kid that was always talking a little bit of a class clown, always wanted to be into trouble. Um, always wanted to talk to my friends instead of listen to the teacher because that just seemed more fun at the time. I didn't actually like studying. I liked Cliff's Notes because it was faster. Does anybody had, had their subscription to Dr. Cliff? Yeah, yeah. And so Cl- Cliff's notes. That's uh, and, and so anyway, I was a terrible student. I mean, I had, I just I just couldn't do. I remember I was I was such a bad student, and I was so talkative because when you're talking, you're not listening. When you're listening, you're not learning, and that just makes you a very. And I remember Mr. Payne said one of those things that sticks with you your whole life. Does anybody have something where like somebody said something to you and you still remember it? Like I remember nothing about fourth grade, nothing. Nothing except this. Mr. Payne was so mad at me and my buddy Taylor for cutting up and talking in class. And I was kind of like mouthy and and back talking and stuff like that. And he said this to me. He said, Todd, the only thing that comes out of your mouth is verbal diarrhea. I don't remember anything about fourth grade other than that. And I think that was funny. Like I was not the kid that was insulted by that. I thought that was hilarious because my teacher just said diarrhea. And then I didn't listen to anything else he said. And I thought, what if he saw me now? The only thing that comes out of your mouth is verbal diarrhea. I'm a Bible teacher now. I wish he's probably dead. He was an old guy. Uh, Was that harsh? Um, 
I mean, I was, that was a long time ago. So anyway, but I, I, was, just, I was just a bad student. Well, he, here's the deal. If you're, if you're a bad student, think about what, what made you a bad student. Well, here's the problem. A lot of times what we do is, is we think back on our childhood and think, well, yeah, 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 that's when I was young. That's when I was a kid. That's when I was immature. But what I discovered about most adults is many of us did not shake those bad habits. Many of us, we got, we got older. We did not get wiser. Like, like when you get older, like just because you, you, you get older does not necessarily mean that you're smarter or you've grown or you've matured. And sometimes we carry some of those unteachable habits into our adult life. We keep running up against those ceilings and we get frustrated. Why? As a matter of fact, I'll give you a test real quick here. This is kind of a way that you can gauge if maybe as an adult you have an unteachable spirit. Here's, here's what it would look like. So um, five signs of an unteachable spirit. Number one is this, chronic failure. If you deal with chronic failure in life, that is a really good indicator that you don't have a teachable spirit. Because if you, if you kept failing, at some point you would ask the question, okay, well, why am I failing? Who can help me? Who can advise me? How can I break through? What am I doing wrong? You would think through it, find it, figure it out, and do whatever. Now, now let me be careful. Let me caution you. Most of you in life are not failures in a broad sense. When I say having a teachable spirit or an unteachable spirit, know that that's segregated. Does that make sense? Like it's, you, you have compartments of life, categories of life. So many of you, you can say, well, I'm really good at work and I'm a really good friend and I'm a really good here. But, but when, you, when it comes to maybe your money, it's just cr- it's chronic failure. Or when it comes to you know, your marriage is just chronic failure. If you've been, you know, again, it's almost like the woman in, in, in the book of John where Jesus is talking to her. He's like, yeah, well, you've been married five times and the guy you're shacked up with now is not your husband. Um, the only common denominator is you. Um, at some point, there's something where, okay, I have some chronic failure in this area. Me and my wife ran into this. We were, we were young and the first probably couple of years of our marriage, we were, we were constantly in debt and not a ton of debt, just a little bit of debt. And we could never get out of it, never pay it off. It's like we pay it off and get right back into it. And, and we didn't know why. And finally we were like, there's something we're missing. We, we have hit the financial ceiling. What do we need to do to be debt free and to get ahead and to start saving and doing these things? And we went and pursued wisdom. We went and asked questions. We went and thought through it because we just realized chronic failure is it. Now, everything, a lot of other areas were great, were fantastic, but here was an area. So remember, when I say chronic failure, I'm not talking about your life is just a total and utter disaster across the board. Usually, we're good in most areas. We've got one or two areas where we might be unteachable. Number two is this, is defensiveness. Why are you laughing? Defensiveness. Now, um, I, I fight against defensiveness. Now, I, I, I wonder, because my, my, I grew up with a bit of a critical dad, if I just developed this, like, well, I'm just going to always be defensive about everything. Um, because I'm t- when you get tired of being attacked, you're like, oh, I'm just going to defend, right? I'm going to fight, but I'm going to resist because I'm tired. And so be careful, you know, if, if, you, if you're a critical person, be, be aware that you're, you might be creating defensiveness in your spouse. You might be creating defensiveness in your relationships because that's what the natural reaction is. But I realize I'm, I'm defensive. As a matter of fact, um, a, a person in our church emailed me last week and they were like, hey, Todd, um, I just noticed with the church and pastoring and preaching and all this, like he, and he just made these observations. And I, I remember my gut reaction was defensiveness. Now, I know to recognize that in my life, but I thought, well, let me, let me just, okay, well, I can, you know, and, and I just, so I was like, no, 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 Todd, put down your defensiveness. And so the first thing I did was I walked, I walked to the office next door. I said, Delano, I just got this email. Is this true? 
Because it could be true. Maybe, I'm, maybe this is off. Maybe this is wrong. Maybe this is something I need to think about or work about. And so we're going. And, and so and as a matter of fact, and I, I met with the gentleman. Let me, let me give you the contrast. And I met with the gentleman that, that emailed me. We had an incredible conversation. It was so much fun. And, 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 and yet you had two people that were trying to like learn what the other person was thinking and where they were coming from. Is this, that's the way Christianity ought to work. There ought to be a beauty and a harmony and a humility to it. But, but I just know for me, because I've been like this for years, I have to fight against defensiveness. Here, here's another one, isolation. Yeah, sometimes instead of you, you hit the ceiling, you just retreat. You turn into a little turtle. You, you just don't want to talk to people. You don't want to listen to anybody. And you just, you just clamor up and, and quiet down and you don't say anything. And so you isolate. Now, let me, let me give you a little bit of more insight here. There's a, there's a, a marriage counselor and professor. His name is John Gottman. He wrote a book, a fascinating book. It was built off of a research study that he did. He took all these couples into a home and videotaped them. And after researching and watching and observing and calculating and logging all of his findings, he found out that he could predict marriage success or failure to within 90% accuracy. That's pretty good. If he could just observe you for a few days and then, and those are good odds. If you're a bet man, those are good odds. So what he realized was, and he came out with his study and his, he released his research, and he said there's basically four things. He called them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, he said there's four things that, that really damage a marriage. And so he, he starts walking through these four things. Well, one of them is contempt. When you, when you harbor anger, you got long-term anger and contempt towards somebody. Um, another one was, was stonewalling, though. That literally, when you start fighting and arguing, you, you just stonewall and retreat. That's what you do. Now, another one, funny enough, is defensiveness. Isn't that interesting? So, like, you have all these different things that defensiveness, contempt, stonewalling, and the last one's just criticism. We talked about that. Crit- criticism actually breeds defensiveness. So think about this. The four of the things that ruin a marriage come from having an unteachable spirit. Defensiveness and stonewalling. And so just be aware. Then you're like, okay, do I just shut down? Do I just, do I just, or do I get defensive and want to argue everything? Because here's the deal. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, like husbands. Um, nobody can teach you how to be a good husband except for your wife. Because her, it's her definition that matters. I don't know if you ever thought about that. So like, you ever, you ever like, because guys are so stupid. This is what guys do. Guys are having like marriage issues. So they go hang out with their dumb buddies and you try to get advice from your dumb buddy. That's not, only your wife can teach you how to be a good husband. That's, that's true, right? So watch, watch this. Number four is blame. I'll come back to this. Blame, blame, just so you know, blaming is the language of victims. Whenever you blame, you're not taking personal responsibility. You're not taking inventory. You're not seeing what responsibility you have for the situation. And so what happens is, is because of that, you become unteachable. But the fifth one goes back to what I was just saying. And it's this, it's basically confirmation bias. You surround yourself with people who agree with you. So like I said, like, like wives, listen to me, listen to me. The only person that can teach you how to be a great wife is your husband. Because you speak woman, Right? You think woman and you speak woman. What you have to do is ask your husband. Because you're, you're, you're trying to be a great wife for him. Right? So this is what you want to do in life. You want to think about this. I don't want to surround myself. And we have a culture that's... That, you can see this in politics a ton. We surround ourselves with people who think just like us. We only listen to people who think just like us. We, we look for confirmation. We do not want people to tell us the truth. We typically want people to tell us what we want to hear. And we resist anybody that somehow challenges our current thinking. Let me read to you what Solomon said, because I told you this is the life hack. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Listen to this. This is so brilliant. And parents, some of you parents might be mad at me. So Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge, 
But whoever hates correction, you're stupid. Now, I didn't say that. Solomon said that. That's in the Bible. So if you're out there and you're a parent and you like teach your kids, don't say stupid. Then I just gave your kids ammunition because Solomon said it. He was apparently the wisest man who ever lived. But the point is, is that when you resist teaching, instruction, knowledge, and wisdom, when you resist correction in life, again, you do not want to live a life where you constantly just surround yourself with people who think just like you think. And you you want to get around people who every once in a while say, hey, I'm not sure that that's a good attitude. Hey, I don't know that that's what God's best for your life is. And don't you ever feel that thing well up within you and you want to resist it. And I'm telling you, fight that thing. Have a teachable spirit. Well, here's another scripture. I'll just, just so you know, I'm not making this up or cherry picking scriptures. Proverbs 13, 18 says this, whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. One more, because I'll, I'll give you the summary in a minute here. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise they listen to Advice. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're. This is such a big deal. I want you to think about this. Out of the 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, 26 of them have a scripture just like this. 26 out of 31 and 10 of the chapters start with one of these verses. So Solomon is all about this idea of get wisdom, get knowledge, but seek counsel, listen to advice. Don't, don't just have this unteachable spirit that doesn't want to listen because here's the reality. You might be wrong. You might not know everything. Does anybody have a friend that's just kind of a know-it-all? Yeah, they're just a know-it-all. You don't know it all. And the wiser you get, the more you realize how much you don't know. And so Solomon's pleading with you. And, and think about this. It was the wisest man who ever lived that said this stuff. So the man who needed the least amount of counsel in his life was the man saying, go get it, go be teachable, go seek wisdom and seek counsel and seek advisors. Here's, here's another thought. This is really where it comes from. You ever thought about like, well, what's the root of this thing? Here are the causes of an unteachable spirit. Number one is this, it's pride. Pride. As a matter of fact, there's, a, there's that famous scripture you've probably all heard. It says that pride goes before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. It's like Proverbs 13, 18. So, so here's this idea of like, no pride. Sometimes there's just this pride in our heart and we don't want to ask for help. Listen, listen, listen. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. You got to ask for help. Because again, you're bumping up, to a, up against the ceiling. You're bumping into a wall, whether it's in your money or it's in your marriage or it's in your life, it's in your career, it's in, it's in your personal health and your personal growth. And you keep running into a wall and pride many times keeps you from just asking for help. Here's another one, rebellion. Yeah, this, I've, I, I experienced this one as well. There's something about me that just, I, 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 I sometimes don't like being told what to do. And so I have to fight that. I have to resist that. Um, I remember, I remember I was out, I took, this is back when I was a youth pastor, I took my youth group out paintballing. And there are rules when you paintball, just so you know, because they're trying to avoid lawsuits, I bet. That's my guess. And so, but we're, we're out paintballing, and one of the most basic rules was, you have to keep your mask on while you're playing. Well, apparently they didn't know who I was. <laughs> apparently it had not been made clear who I am. Look, I brought, I brought all these kids up in here. I'm paying all this money. I'm going to do what I want. Of course, I get shot multiple times. And then I take my mask off. And they, and they, they yell at me. Some little kid. Some chump little 20-year-old. You know. Do you know who I am? 
you, you're, barely, you're maybe barely old enough to be out of my youth group. You're going to whistle at me? And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I put it, and then I take it off again later, and he whistles at me again, and he kicks me off the paintball course. And I'm like, I'm so angry and livid, but then what some, so, so aware of, uh, inside of me is like, holy cow, you are so rebellious. Like, and it's a rule to protect you, you moron. Why don't you just listen? Why don't you just... Because here's the deal. When you're rebellious, here's what you need to think about. Most of the instruction that you're going to get in life will come from an authority figure. And if you have rebelliousness in your heart, you will resist the very people that God put in your life. Parents as as authority figures or sometimes teachers or pastors or just people or bosses even. like You resisting it is, is actually going to be the root cause of your unteachable spirit. Here's another one. Insecurity. Sometimes when you're, when you're insecure, you lack that confidence, you lack that seriousness, and that's what creates that defensiveness in you, is you, you think everything's an attack. You take everything, you're, you're super sensitive, everything you take personal. No, it's not personal. As a matter of fact, that's one of the best things you need to realize in life is that when a good, loving advisor challenges you, it's not personal. They're not trying to hurt you. They're trying to help you. But if you're insecure, you only read it as, oh, they're being mean to me. Oh, they're picking on me. No, if they love you, I I promise they're trying to help you. Number four is foolishness. Yeah, that's just stupidity run amok. That's all that is. Like when you're foolish, you're just like, I don't even care. You disregard counsel and wisdom advisors in your life. You just disregard it because of foolishness. And then lastly is laziness. Sometimes laziness is a root cause of being unteachable. Because here, here's most of the things we talk about today have been you resisting it. Sometimes you're unteachable because you don't care enough to go work for it. See, the Bible actually says, when you look at all the verses on getting wise counsel, it says seek wise counsel. And the verb seek means the responsibility is yours. So if you're one of those people that sits around and waits for help to come or waits for unsolicited advice or waits for people to come and take you by the hand and try to... And normally you resist people when, when they do that to you anyway. But what I'm trying to tell you is this, is the Bible says seek wise counsel, which means this, in any arena of life where you maybe are running against, uh, uh, into a wall, you're running up against that ceiling, you need to actually think to yourself, who can I go talk to? What book should I be reading? What conference should I go to? What counselor should I go seek out? I will offer to go buy them lunch if I can just ask them a bunch of questions and see if they'll speak into my life. That's what you do. You break off laziness and say, I'm going to go get the wisdom that I need. So, and this is kind of the invert because this is where we're going. This is what you really see when you see a teachable person, person with a teachable spirit. Number one is this, is that a person with a teachable spirit, man, they're just humble. They're humble. They just recognize, I don't know it all. I don't got it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. Nope. God's wisdom is better than my wisdom. People that are ahead of me in life, they can teach me and guide me and show me these things. And it requires humility to pull that off. Number two is this, you got to be good at accepting correction. You just got to recognize, and there's some weird scriptures out there that talk about this, that they love, you rebuke a wise man and he will love you for it. I don't naturally feel that way. Does anybody relate to that? Like, you rebuked me. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed that immensely. Thank you. But this is what the Bible says, that you have to become good at accepting correction. My, my pastor, my old pastor used to do this to me. What he would do is I would go to him for advice. And, 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 and normally what I would do is I'd be like, hey, this is what I was thinking. This is what I was going to do. What do you think? And normally... 
he would basically take whatever I said and he would just say, well, what if you did the opposite? What if you did this? What if you did something different? What if you, and what he would do is, is he would just make me think, well, what? there's more than just my way. The Bible says that there, there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end is destruction. Many times what I'm saying is is that you get stuck on your way and you think your way is the best way or the only way. And because of that, you then resist the correction that somebody brings into your life. There there could be a different way. You don't know it all. Therefore, seek out help and, and, and advice and then accept the correction when it comes. Here's the verse, Proverbs 9 verse 8 says this. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Actually, another verse says that you rebuke the wise and they just grow wiser. Number three is this is, again, we've been talking about this idea. You seek wise counsel. That seeking wise counsel is just the, that's just the heart of a teachable spirit. That anytime I, I and, and I've gotten to this point in my life. For, for early in my life, it was financially. I remember I would come to my dad with some like, hey, I wanted to do this or I wanted to invest into this or I wanted to do this. And, and my dad would advise. My dad was a very savvy person when it came to finances. And early on, I didn't have a very teachable spirit. And so I didn't, I, I, even though I would talk to him about stuff, I didn't actually listen to the counsel that he gave me, which by the way, is really annoying to the counselor. So if you come to a counselor and you ask for their advice and then you don't do it, try that two or three times and then see how it works out. Because there's nothing worse than like, have you, you, you felt like that. Somebody like comes to you, they want your help, they want your advice. You can see clear, you're more objective. They're in the fog. You give them some advice and they ignore you. You're like, well, what did you, ex-? you almost like, what did you expect? Or you kind of want to give him a little, I told you so. But, but I, I, early on, I would disregard my dad's, my dad's counsel. Well, wait until that costs you a few thousand dollars. Sometimes pain is what you need to break you of the foolishness, right? And so eventually I came to a point where I said, you know what? Whatever my dad tells me to do, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to question. I mean, I'll ask questions to like get more understanding, but I'm not going to question. I'm just going to do it. Why? Because he's older than me, he's smarter than me, he has more success than me, he has a track record that proves he knows what he's talking about. I did this in ministry. There's a, there's a pastor that's been a mentor of mine for years, and I just learned because there was one time where I, I sought counsel and I didn't do it, and I'm like, uh, that didn't work out. And I just heard him, whatever he tells me to do, I'm just going to do it. That's the wise counsel God put in my life. I mean, again, anything short of sin. If he asked me to do it, I'm just going to, yes, I trust your counsel. Number four is this, is again, submitting to authority. I'm telling you, the characters, you submit to authority. You just recognize that, because the Bible says some really strange stuff about authority. Like, the Apostle Paul is writing during the days of Emperor Nero, and he says, no, authority is from God. Now, if you don't know who Emperor Nero is, he is a horrible human being. He's like Hitler smoking crack. It's just, the guy did wicked. I mean, like Hitler was awful. This guy was more demented. He says, no, you watch out. Authority is from God. God's going to use authority in your life. Watch God use authority to root out your pride. Watch God use authority to reveal maybe the pride in your heart. Watch, watch. So submitting to authority. As a matter of fact, I'm so proud. I was talking about Delano earlier. I was so proud of Delano. Delano, Years and years ago, just said, hey, pastor, I just want you to know that, that I always want to be you know, submitted to you. And, and, and as a young man, um, I, I just want you to know that, that purity is important to me. And so to make sure that I never get off track when it comes to just my mind and my thought life and purity, I don't ever want to see things and watch things. And so there's this thing that they've come out with. And it was basically an app where you can put on your phone and on your computer. And he goes, basically, it's called Covenant Eyes. He said, basically, what it does is, is it just logs everything that I do on my computer and my phone and it sends it to you. So you'll get to see everything that's on, all my searches. By the way, it's all powerlifting stuff. It's all like, 
like a bunch of YouTube videos on power lift. Anyway, there's nothing inappropriate or I would know about it, right? And so this is the guy that says, hey, I'm willing to recognize that I don't have all the strength in the world, I don't have it all figured out, and I need to be accountable. I need to submit to the authority of my life. And I just want you to know, you have the right to see what I'm looking at, and you have the right to speak into my life about any of this stuff. That right there, that's wisdom. Last one is this, number five. You notice there were fives? It was like five of these, five of these, five of these. Yeah, this is all you note-takers. You knew that. Non-note-takers, you have no idea. You just, you just pursue wisdom. You just pursue wisdom. Let, let me go back. Proverbs 4, 7, 4, 7 says this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Isn't that so brilliant? You're like, Solomon, come on. There's got to be something more profound than that. He goes, no, there's really not. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it cost you all that you have, go get some wisdom and go get some understanding. I'll give you, I'll give you this last little story and illustration to kind of wrap this up. We'll pray. I, uh, I love golf. And if you don't know anything about golf, golf is incredibly um, difficult. I always tell people that when they come out, because they'll be like, hey, I want to learn how to golf. Will you help me or whatever here? So one of the first things I tell them is this, is okay, just so you know, whatever your expectations are, reduce them by a factor of 10. Like whatever you think you're about to do, just get it, reduce it by a factor of 10. Golf is hard. That ball doesn't move. You're standing over it. Everything's in your head. Nothing. You watch guys on TV and it makes it look so easy. And you think, I can do that. Stupid little white ball. I can hit that thing. And, and you can't. Um, or if you do, it curves like a banana into the, the pond or whatever. So anyway, I, so, so, you know, here's the thing. You start out in golf, and many times you don't know what you're doing, right? So you start learning, trying to figure it out. And eventually you run into a wall, right? You run into a ceiling where, like, I'm not getting any better. And this is where I was at. I think I was, like, a, a certain level of golfer. And finally I'm like, I want to get better. So what do you do? You go get help. You go get counsel, right? And they're called golf instructors. So... But here's the problem. I still got a little bit of that defensiveness, a little bit of that rebelliousness, a little bit of that I want to argue about stuff. And so I, I go to the golf instructor, and so he starts saying, okay, Todd, I want you to do this. Okay, nope, you're doing this bad, this bad, this bad, this bad. He put me on videotape, measured everything, and then like there's all kinds of colors that pop up. Green is if you're good. Yellow is if you're, eh. Red is bad. whole thing was red. I got two measurements that were, were okay. So, so all this stuff is red. And so I asked him, I'm like, well, if, if I'm so bad, how am I able to at least play this? He goes, I don't know, luck. I, you know, and, so, <laughs> and I'm having to take this correction. And so then he's starting to do this, do this, do this. And you know what I tell him? But it feels weird. And you know what he said to me? He said one of the most profound things. Again, I don't know that I remember a ton in life. Apparently, fourth grade teacher, Mr. Payne, I remember one thing from fourth grade. You know what I remember from my golf instructor? I only met with him like, you know, maybe a handful of times. He said, Todd, if what you did that felt so good worked, you wouldn't be here right now. Touche, you win. If what you did that felt so good worked, you wouldn't be stuck right now. If what you did... That what you thought, that your way, and it felt good to you, if that worked so good, you wouldn't be stuck. You wouldn't be hitting a ceiling. You wouldn't be here right now. And so he just taught me this idea that I've got to trust the people who see what I can't see, who know what I don't know, and I have to, I have to fight every tendency within me to want to maybe argue or, or just resist or say, no, my way, or I don't care. I, and you have to surrender. See, the Bible says this. The Bible actually says that God resists the proud, 
but he gives grace to the humble. And what we want to do is we want to have that humility about us, that teachable spirit about us. It says, God, I do not know it all. I don't have it all figured out. But if I'll surrender to you, if I'll surrender to the wisdom of your words, if I'll surrender to the wise counsel that you put into my life, I'm telling you, it is the life hack that unlocks all future life hacks. It's having a teachable spirit. Let's pray this morning. God, today, some of us need to bring our funkiness to you. God, we need to bring the rebelliousness, the the defensiveness, maybe just the foolishness, and we need to bring it to you, God. Would you please forgive us? Would you please help us? God, help us to surrender to you. Help us to listen and not just hear it, but God, but then to respond to it, to want to obey your words and your wisdom, God, to want to walk in it. God, for some of us, we need to get up off the couch and go pursue some wisdom. God, we want to have a teachable spirit. We want to be humble before you so that we might know you, we might do your will, so that we might experience your abundant life. God, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.